Tapes and Scouts, a podcast where two friends review every single movie they watch. Boom. Holy cow, you just like lightly caressed the button and it came on. There's no reason to get so aggressive. I just, uh, all I've learned is that a caress is enough for you to turn something on. That's right. Hey. hi That's what you get when you come around here. A gentle Tim caress and a turn on. That's right. Tapes and scowls. That's also right. Yeah. I don't know where to go with this. I don't either. But let's talk about movies then. Okay. I got one. Do you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is this is a contentious one. Oh. Yeah. 2023's The Flash. <gasps> the Flash. Yeah. Nobody liking this one. I was in no rush to see this. No. <laughs> hey. hey. I see what you did there. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for stopping by. Watch this on 6 2023 It is two hours and 24 minutes. It's an action film directed by Andy uh, Muschietti. I know he directed the the It remakes. I just mm. don't know how exactly how to say his last name well. Fair. Uh, starring Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller, and Ezra Miller, Michael Keaton, and Sasha Kelly. Calais? I don't know. Sasha, hi. Hi, Sasha. Your movie summary here. Barry Allen uses his super speed to change the past, but his attempt to save his family creates a world without superheroes, forcing him to race for his life in order to save the future. If only Ezra Miller could do that, too. Ooh. hey <laughs> Uh, my thoughts on the movie. All right. I got to once again have this talk. Yeah, let's I haven't do had it. this talk since Jeepers Creepers. I, yeah, I understand. I'm going to remove the people involved in the project. Correct. And I'm going to review the film, The Flash, that was presented to me. I'm not going to bring my opinions up about Ezra Miller. Good or bad, they are over there. I am over here watching and reviewing this film. But if you tweet us, we'll tell you. Yeah, I definitely would. <laughs> so this movie, um, it's definitely better than people give it credit for. I okay. will come out and say that first and foremost, in my opinion. I do think that it is treading pretty familiar waters. We've seen a lot of this. If only I could go back in time and make a change. I could make. And you go back for sort of selfish reasons. You go back for sort of non-selfish reasons. But this movie does breathe some life into that trope okay. in a way that's interesting. But I mean, like, you know, the whole flashpoint thing is kind of what you get, right? Going to go back in time, do it, try to change the thing. And uh-oh, what's going on here? So it's like, it's not like you got to work within the parameters of what you're given. So it's like, first and foremost, I think people are unfair when they're just like, it was a boring and hack and trade idea. It's like, but it's the idea. Like you can't, if you're going to make a flashpoint movie, that's kind of what you have to do. I feel like the flash goes back in time all the time. Uh, he does. And I feel like people maybe don't know that. That is. Yeah. Yep, he done been going back in time. Yeah. But I do like what was presented here. There's a really cool hook in the movie, and I'll spoil it for those of you who don't care, because I think a lot of people are just going to go, yeah, I don't really care. But the concept is Barry Allen's mother dies for some unknown reason while his dad is out getting this can of tomatoes for a recipe. And he doesn't know how it happens, and the, the whole thing gets pinned on his father, and we've seen that in the Justice League. So he's like, I can go back in time and just leave the tomatoes in the house and then dad never has to leave and then mom won't die. Logical line of thinking. But like in all these movies, you have to go through the long explanation of why timelines overlap and how they work, where they end, where they start, what happens if you don't really continue them, you create a new one and now you've created a whole new one and yada, yada, yada. And you get this explanation from Michael Keaton pointing at spaghetti. Ooh. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, because those tomatoes weren't there. The Joker happened. That's right. Yeah, so it's it's a pretty wild thing. But you get to see Michael Keaton as Batman again, which is really cool. Yeah, he did a good job coming back to Batman, I feel like. But the cool thing they do with this is in order to kind of unscrew everything, he has to go back and he has to essentially take the tomatoes away again. Mm -hmm. So he has to let his mom die. Like he's like has to essentially kill his own mother Mm -hmm. in order to fix the timeline, which I think is a lovely way way to do it and i think that ezra miller does bring uh their a game for that particular part of the performance like i really like felt like i was just like oh damn right like i knew it happened probably a minute or so before it kind of was like about to really drop it on you i was like oh shit it was pretty wild and it's cool because the reason it happens is because there's like an edge of tomorrow conundrum where they keep running back in time to try to fix it and so the other alternate timeline flash is trying to be like no we'll just go through and we'll make we'll do it every possible way until we get it perfect and then the the barry that we're like rooting for the barry we know is like this world just is destined to die there's no way you can fix it and the other barry won't accept it right and it becomes like this you know what i mean it's like it's really lovely and that's when you get into the crazy part the other people a lot of people gripe about is the crazy cg where we bring in all of the disparate dc characters so you get like the christopher reeve moment you get nicholas cage as superman which we never actually got to right. see right. you get to see the 66 stuff with batman you get to see like all these nods you know what i mean you see like the uh the original like jay garrick flash and everything you get to, that's where you see all of this in this okay. moment of like trying Trying to reconstruct the world, the the timeline has created infinite other worlds, right? So now right. we get a reason for James Gunn to be able to go over here and do his DC things without interrupting Zack Snyder's Snyderverse over here. So it's a pretty neat little like like stream of like I thought it was like enough freshness in there that I got it. I do agree that at times in this sequence, the uh, CG looks really rough. Does it? It looks really rough. And I know a lot of people are like, but it's because it's, he's moving so fast and it's like time ebbing away. It's like, there are definitely parts in there that wasn't the intent. It was just kind of like, because they went through so many directors, because this project was so far backfooted, they were trying whatever they could to get it out there right. in the appropriate timeline so that, <laughs> so that James Gunn could start to introduce what he's going to do. So Fair. I think it was hindered by a lot of problems but as a project that came like and was presented to me i thought it was overall pretty successful okay yeah well that's good imdb gives it the second best score possible of a 6.9 out of 10 nice yes rotten tomatoes critics just under that 370 is 64 percent okay the audience obviously going to be a little higher right because they wanted to go see this thing 5,000 plus gave it 83 percent okay and I'm coming in right at the middle at a seven and a half out of ten. All right. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, it was a it was a good watch. Like I think a lot of people definitely took this to task a little harder over things that normally they wouldn't, but because of added baggage, I think that they kind of they let that get ahead of them honestly reviewing the movie, in my opinion. Again, tons of problems here. Don't get me wrong. Far right. from a movie that I would say you need to go sit down and watch, but I think I've seen Superhero movies I was looking forward to more that did far less, and I was kind of like going into this cautiously optimistic that we might get something pretty good, and it pretty much landed it. Nice. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Very cool. Well, going from superheroes to video games. Video? Yes. Those are rarely good. (laughs) Yeah. But this one... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. 
how much water came out your nose? Uh, just a little. Just a trickle. Just a trickle. That's all we're after. Tetris. Oh, yes. Yep. 2023's Tetris. That was a little different because it's not like a video game it's, being adapted. Right. It's, this was an Apple one, right? It is. I had that Apple preview. I was okay. really racking it up. I saw you put this on the list. I was like, damn, I wanted to see that Tetris movie. It's pretty cool. Awesome. So June 22nd, 2023. Ooh. An hour 58... Your genre, biography, drama, history, directed by John S. Baird, Baird. starring Taryn Edgerton, Mara Huff, Huff. and Miles Barrow. I like Miles. Yeah? I don't really know him, but... But you guys are boys, right? I'd assume... I assume he's pretty sweet. I think so. Yeah. I I would agree. Taryn Edgerton, I think, is great, though. For sure. Very familiar I, with I love work. how he gets – he picks roles he wants and he just gets all in on he, them. And yeah, he just – and it's cool when you watch interviews with him because he's so hype about it. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like he's being bullshit or anything. He's just like, this is so cool. Yeah. It's like, oh, what a delight he seems to be. I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. So your IMDb movie summary, the story of how one of the world's most popular video games found its way to players around the globe. The globe. Businessman Hank Rogers and Tetris inventor Alexei Pajanov join forces in the USSR, risking it all to bring Tetris to the masses. Yes. Uh, This movie is probably too overly dramatic. Okay. But it... I'm sure it's mostly an accurate movie because it's very bizarre. You got to think of the time when this happened. U.S. and Russian relations weren't good. It's like Cold War era, right? Right. So not the best. And, you know, Americans can't go to the USSR. Right. Um, Iron Curtain. Right. Hank Rogers lived in Japan. His wife is Japanese. And he's actually, I believe, Danish. Oh, cool. Danish and American. Some combo like that. But he was like, eh, I could go. But, like, you could only go. You couldn't go. Uh, you couldn't vacation there. You, you had to have business there. There was all these in crazy, crazy, like, things. It's like, you have to follow this or You're problems. in trouble. <laughs> Gulag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he is instantly a problem. They're instantly on his ass. And he's just like, I just want to go and meet the guy who made this game I heard about that is really cool. I want to try to get it on, you know, Nintendo and do this. Right. I, there's a really cool, the intro of this movie is very cool because it shows you how video games kind of have to happen, especially at this time where it's like, well, you have the arcade rights, but I have the home console rights. And that was kind of the thing that was starting. Nintendo was just starting. Right. But then you also have like Russia's like, oh, this made a bunch of money. Well, this is our property. We yeah. own this because, mm-hmm. you know, the guy who created it doesn't own it. That's right. So it's very, uh, Mother very Russia owns this. Correct. Yeah. What's good for the motherland. There's a lot of that. Yep. And you are so it's so weird to feel so uncomfortable for Taron Edgerton the entire movie because right. it's just going back and forth. And he's like a ray of sunshine. Like he gets it. Right. But he's also like, mm, I'm going to do this because I need to do this. Yeah. And it's like, man, this is really, like, so dangerous for a video game guy. Yeah. But uh, they kind of show you all the different people that take part. Some of the people are are really forthcoming, and some of the people are scumbags and out for themselves. And this is all real stuff that happened. You can look it up. That's cool. Uh, Toby Jones is in this. Oh, my God. I love Toby Jones. He is so good in this. Like, supporting actor. He should get a nod because this was so incredibly good. You know, he's the best in every time he shows up the movie. Correct. Man, Toby Jones, you rule. He plays Robert Stein in this, and he's the guy who's kind of the in-between, 
where he's like, I've got the arcade rights to to Tetris, and I've got this, and Russia's like, we didn't give out any of these things, and things like that keep happening. They're right. Like, he doesn't own anything, but he's dealt with them before, so he has already a rapport with them. So like him coming in in the country, not so bad. Right. But Taron Edgerton coming in, like the KGB's watching him. That's the guy, awesome. and he goes and meets the guy who created it, and it's like he like people knock on the door and he's like oh i don't know like such a nail biter thriller like if you told me they were hiding a rare diamond instead of oh we own who owns this video game it right. would feel exactly the same what are they hiding here drugs gold no tetris tetris yeah but the movie really picks up when he visits so he's trying to get the home console rice he visits nintendo of america and they're like you have to sign this this nda he's like why it's we're cool man it's fine they're like no you have to sign this or we can't talk and he signs it and they're like all right here's the game boy and they show him the game boy because that was the game that launched with the game boy and he's like oh shit this changes everything yeah now instead of us making several million dollars on you know the nes we're gonna make billions right and he literally goes hold on and he steals the game boy off the little thing and they're like what the fuck is he doing and he fiddles with it he gets a rude version of his game to basically boot up and play immediately oh that's awesome he's like i've got this i and he looks he goes i can make this and he jams it kind of into the the back of the game boy and he's like i can make this work and they're like what the fuck is he doing with our prototype yeah (laughs) and he gets tetris Tetris to work that's really cool. So it's a very cool movie. It's a little weird when it gets into like car chases and things like yeah. that. Like, don't let them leave the country and, you know, that kind of stuff. The stuff happens. we have to throw in there to make it more interesting to the average viewer. Correct. Yeah. And it's like, man, if they got chased at all, it was not this close. It was not this nail bitey. I'm sure nobody had a car accident while it was happening. Like, it's like as if you had asked one of them what happened. And they chased us all around the street. Right. He almost got shot four times. You know what I mean? Just hamming it up as much as possible. <laughs> right. Like, you're just drunk alexi exactly no this is what happened uh but it is pretty cool they do tell you a lot of the things that happen after the fact once the movie wraps and you can you can google it all it's you can see what's what's how accurate it is it's kind of fun that is fun so for a movie that i was like i don't even know how much of this is going to be true and like i had a blast watching this movie. wonderful so it's definitely worth checking out imdb gave it a 7.4 rotten tomato critics 185 of them 82 percent okay the audience at Rotten Tomatoes, a thousand plus, gave it eighty-seven percent. Pretty solid. The wife and I agree. Whoa, eight out of ten. Movie is good. Shit. Yeah, that's it's real fun. Good. That's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you're awesome. Nineteen seventy-eight. Okay. Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Bank and Arras. No. Arras, Ralph Bakshi. Oh, Bakshi. Yeah. There it is. Yep. Yep. 622-23. While you were watching Tetris, I was watching this. It's fair. Yeah, it's two hours and 12 minutes. It is a fantasy adventure animated film directed by Ralph Bakshi. Uh, we have Christopher Gard, William Squire, and John Hurt. Because, mm-hmm. you know, John Hurt's been around five ever. <laughs> Your summary here, the Fellowship of the Ring embark on a journey to destroy the One Ring and end Sauron's reign over Middle-earth. You know, he is kind of a dick, that Sauron. Over Middle-earth, yeah. He's mm-hmm. just dicking over Middle-earth. Stop dicking it over. Stop dicking it over. This movie's wild. Again, yeah. has that feel, but this is much This is much more dangerous. This is the Ralph Boxy version. This isn't Rankin and Bass anymore where it's cute and lovely and has fun songs. This is like... This is the Frazetta. This is, yeah, this is the animation is definitely more like adult-themed. This feels now, while related to The Hobbit, this feels like the dangerous version of The Hobbit. This is The Hobbit with stakes. Right. This is like, this is scary. There's not just one old-ass dragon that we're trying to kind of... 
trick and I mean, but then obviously you have the war, but you know, I mean, this is from the moment we say go, it's like, this is dangerous. Yep. And the whole time I'm watching, cause I didn't know much about this movie. Okay. The whole time I'm watching, I'm like, how the hell are they going to do all these Lord of the Ring movies? Like it's only two hours and 12 minutes, which is like a fraction of the length of the first Lord of the Rings movie that Peter Jackson did. Right. And I'm watching, I'm watching, like, it's been two hours and third Helm's deep. That's not very far. And then boop, the movie ends. Ah. There's no ending. Boop, the movie ends. Oh, they booped you. They booped me. And they were supposed to, at some point, make a second part to this. Ralph Bakshi, it's one of those things that he was on and off again, going to do for decades. Man. Where he's like, I want to do it. Nah, I don't want to do it. I want to do it. Nah, I don't want to do it. But the movie itself is really visionary. I mean, it's obvious, like, you have that cool, like, rotoscoping that he did in some of the stuff. So, like, all the orcs are, like, rotoscoped real people that are, like, overlaid with this kind of bizarre animation so they move in this quality that's very nightmarish. Rotoscope's so cool. Yeah. It look, it gives a very specific look, and Ralph Bakshi, I think, uses it very effectively here to portray a lot of the evil in Middle-Earth, where right. the good is very traditional animated. It makes it look a little weird at times because they're moving at different speeds in a lot of the fights don't quite line up or they're like very intentional to where they do they would collide so it's almost like we have to slow the one down we have to speed the other up so it's like a little oddly jittery like the frame rate's kind of like different for both parts of the cell like you know what what was being done to time out one cell versus the other makes it it looks a little weird but i think that adds to the quality of it and it makes it more endearing but it definitely kind of shows it's you know what I mean? It's age a little bit and it's, you know, but I like that Boxy was willing to push the envelope to make this feel authentic to the Lord of the Rings. So nice. it's really good. It's really visionary. It just, and that makes the ending even worse. The fact that it's just like, and it's done. It's like, we, what? Yeah. Gandalf going to come riding in or I don't know anymore. Credits. So you're just kind of like looking off into the distance, sad. Has he ever ma- mentioned that he wants to? He's gone on and on. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. do it. You can, well, if you rock a Wikipedia on it, there's a whole thing about how it was supposed to be two parts. And then he decided that he hated the project so much that he didn't want to do it because it was so hard to do. And then he was back on it like a decade later. Like, no, no, no I want to go back and do it again. And then he was like, they were going to consult with him for Peter Jackson's. And he's like, I'm not interested in this. Oh, Nobody else should handle this but me because it should be animated and oh, it should boy. look this way. And you know, Ralph Bakshi. He's got opinions. He does. So that seems to be him in his own way, at least from what I was interpreting, reading what I read. Okay. But overall, solid just kind of builds to an end that really, like, really takes the wind out of your sails. Right. IMDb gives it a 6.2 out of 10. Okay. Rotten Tomatoes critics got 44, it looks like, or 442. I don't know what's going on here. There's some amount of critics that did it. 50% is what they say. All right. There's 250,000 plus audience folks, that I'm sure of, 64%. Okay. And the score for me, says I, is 6.5 out of 10. 6.5 feels right. Yeah, just a touch over the audience, but yeah, it's not as good as The Hobbit was. I just wonder how many people review it and they're like, man, if there was more. And clearly we're probably not getting more. So it's like, does that factor into their final list? It has to because there's just no ending. Like, what do you give a movie that doesn't have an ending? You know, we've movies we've talked about going up several points because of how strong the ending managed to be or going down several points because of how they flubbed it at the end. That's one of your biggest cinema crimes is flubbing the ending. This now just imagine a movie that doesn't. Right. And that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Just whoop. Like, that's it. Okay. (laughs) Wild. That is wild. Yeah. Well, I got another movie. I like movie. I got another movie, and I still had my free Apple trial. Okay. So 
still a Michael J. Fox movie. That's exciting. It is. From 2023. I watched on the 25th of June. It's an hour 35. Documentary biography. Biography. Directed by Davis Guggenheim. Guggen. Starring Michael J. Fox, Tracy Palan, Sam and Aquina, Aquina Fox? Hmm. I, I don't know. His kids. His kids. His kids. IMDb movie summary. Follows the life of beloved actor and advocate Michael J. Fox, exploring his personal and professional triumphs and travails, and what happens when an incurable optimist confronts an incurable disease. Yeah. This is a sad... This is really a sad, because you it's so raw, and you do see him at his lowest, and it just... This, I think, made me more upset just because it feels like he's doing this because he's going to pass. Right. It's There's no reason for him to be doing it right now. Right. He hasn't done it. He hasn't really talked about it in a film setting. Like, he'll go do, you know, events and he'll go talk and speak places. And he has books. Right. He has his books as well. But he doesn't do this. And right. He's just putting it raw all out there. And it's really hard to see. He has people that are with him all the time. Uh, he can just be walking and just fall down. And you see it several times in the movie to where he'll fall down and, like, break his arm or something. Right. And it's like, and his kids joke with him. They're like, come on, man, just don't be so clumsy. He goes, that's not it at all. Right. I have no control over this. Like, right. I'm just walking and I'm down. And there's, like, sadder moments. Like, he'll be doing a sit-down interview for a lot of things that are very, like, focused in on his face. And you'll see the makeup lady putting makeup on him. And you start to realize, and the director brings it up, they're covering a black eye because he fell. Yeah. And things like that. And it's just so incredibly sad. Yeah. The good parts, though. It talks about his career. It talks about his meteoric rise. It says how things overlapped and how he was doing Teen Wolf and, you know, Back to the Future wasn't working out. And they're like, you know what? I wasn't going to tell you this because I thought it would ruin family ties, but they wanted you for back to the future the whole time yeah suck it eric stoltz right eric stoltz thank you yep. i was like man that's wild <laughs> yeah you know it talks about him meeting his wife on uh, family ties and how she hated him that sounds right and just like her character on the show she's like i didn't care for him at all he was kind of an ass and nice kind of what she was really a big part of his life she still is she really got him on the straight and narrow. That's awesome. Because he was kind of being a douche at that point. Right. Uh, and focused it on his career. But really, right then and there is where he starts having the issues and the tremors and everything. And you're like, man, he's been do dealing with this that long? How did he... Because you start thinking about his, all the things he did after. Right. All the TV, all the movies. And how does he hide that? Because he needs to be on so much medication to not be shaking right. from the Parkinson's. And it's probably like... A, I think it's like a decade before he comes out and talks about it sure on oprah or wherever it was i forget where it was but it, he and i'm like got such a long time and what really i thought was really sad to watch was uh spin city which was the show he had yes. when he decided to reveal it yep and he literally shows you clips from spin city where he's like i hid drugs here i hid drugs here i was taking my pills he had them crushed up in his pocket yeah so he could take them without people realizing and he literally goes through scenes and it's like a lot it's like here's 50 takes real quick he's like i took a pill here i hit a pill here i did it here and you see him doing it during right. the show. And I'm just like, oh my God. And that was just to keep him baseline. Yep. And you would hear him like freaking out backstage. He's putting holes in walls. Like he is losing his shit. Right. Because he can't deal with this. And finally he's like, it's too much. I have to talk about it. And he talks about the Parkinson. And it just, his whole, whole life changed drastically after that. His Absolutely. acting slowed tremendously. Right. Um, and he just had a whole new life from that point on. But it's so sad. It's heartbreaking because we all love him. Yes. We love him to death. 
death and just to see him frail, to see him like trying to make a joke. Like it's even hard for him to crack a smile. It is very depressing. Right. But it is a lovely documentary. It really is. You really feel like they put a lot of good effort into this and it's just it's just so sad. I read one of his books and the way he describes what it takes to get out of bed right to do i'm not talking about get dressed i'm not talking about have coffee i'm not talking about i'm talking about physically the act of getting out of his bed was one of the hardest things i've ever read it's so brutal what he goes through right he keeps referencing the first time he noticed his hands shaking the tremors in his hands he's like my whose hand is that a hand's moving that's not my hand yeah i'm not in control of that and his wife's like oh it's probably nothing you were drinking last night it's probably nothing and like sure she would think that and yeah. it's like oh my god it just keeps happening and he's freaking out yeah i think this is a very good documentary but awesome. i also feel this is hard for a lot of people that's i was tough. tearing up the whole time watching oh this sure thing. i was just like oh my god i want to be happy for him and i am happy for him like he is cele- this is like a celebration of him like it's not meant to be such a downer but no. it really is and i mean outside of the acting right which we all get to enjoy forever right he's made his mark on cinema and he kind of changed the landscape of how we view like a teen heartthrob of that age but he also went on to be such an advocate for parkinson's disease like imagine how far back we would be in the science if it wasn't for michael j fox right like just all the acting stuff aside just being a loud advocate for it it's just stuff with muhammad ali Mm -hmm. like all of that stuff was so so vital to getting us to where we are now. Like, he wouldn't have lived if he was just normal dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and he wanted to make sure that nobody got stuck in a situation where they're just dealing with it with no help, no attention, no, like, no hope. Right. And that's what he brought to everybody, which is awesome. Like, he is an amazing, amazing dude. Yeah, really cool. So a very uplifting movie, but an incredibly sad one to watch. So I guess, you know. Bittersweet. Bittersweet, this one for sure. IMDb. Gives it an 8.1. Very high for them. Yes. Rotten Tomato Critics, 149 of them, 99%. You got... um, What guy is going to go on record and be like, well, you know, this could have been just a little bit better. Like, shut up. Nobody's listening to you. (laughs) I'm at the end. Hold on. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The Rotten Tomatoes audience, 250 plus, give it 95%. There's a couple dicks in the audience. Always. Uh, My wife gave this a seven. Okay. I gave it a seven and a half. I think it's a very good movie. It's tough subject matter to deal with. It's tough. I think there's little things from a a filmmaking perspective Uh that could have made this just a little more, a little better. But as far as like, you know, he's great. He was very open. There was a lot of access to everything. There was something he wanted to do. Right, which is more important, important than yep. is this the shiniest of reels? You know right, exactly. Well, now to end the podcast abruptly. Sha la la la.